So excited. So in worship, though, I... Um, Oh, that's not going to stay. Um, in worship, though, I really felt a just a spirit of faith, like the gift of faith rise up in here. Did anybody else feel that? Like there are some places in your life that like, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to break through in those places. You are the way maker. And as we were singing the song and declaring that over ourselves this morning and declaring that and singing that back to him, like I just felt this faith arise in this place. And, um, and I think we would do ourselves an in-service if we didn't just pray into this moment right now. So why don't you do this? Grab your neighbor's hand. And let's just go to the Lord in prayer. God, we just, we, as we declared, God, already of who you are in this place, Lord, we just ask that the spirit and the gift of faith rise up in this place today, God. You know the places, God, that you need to make a way, God, where we have been put, our, our backs are against the wall and we don't know what else to do, God. But you are saying to move forward, God. And right now, in Jesus' name, healing comes now in Jesus name to places God that doctors don't even know the diagnosis yet father God you in this place God are already working and making a way where there seems to be no way God let faith arise God radical faith God out of this place today in Jesus name Jesus name amen 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 come on he's doing it he's doing it say I'm gonna be okay Say this after me. I anticipate good coming my way every day. My prayers are powerful and effective. If it's not good, it's not over. Amen. My best days are ahead. I don't have to be perfect. Come on, let's just let that one roll off. I don't have to be perfect. Yeah, let's let it roll. Let, it, let perfection roll off of us. Problems are opportunities. I'm not afraid of missing out. I'm not afraid of FOMO. Have y'all heard that FOMO? Fear of missing out especially us moms while we're sitting at home with kids and other people are doing really fun stuff. Like you feel like that fear of missing out, but no, you're investing into the next generation. Amen. Come on. I am who you say I am. Come on. So I was at School of the Prophets in, uh, in August and we were singing the song. Is Rihanna in here this morning? I don't know. No, I don't see her. Um, so Rihanna, she kills that song. I really think that it was made for her, my champion. And it says in there, I am who you say I am. And you just start declaring that in the song. And, um, and so we were at School of the Prophets, and all of a sudden as we're singing this song, I felt the Lord say, if my people would just believe that phrase, that I am who you say I am. I am who he says that I am. I am a daughter of the king. And as a daughter, what? I get refrigerator rights. I have access to the entire kingdom of God as a daughter. 
and as a son. And he's like, if my people would just believe what the truth is, that Jesus paid this incredible price just for you to know who you are. Because you see, his plan has always been that he was going to put his spirit inside of us so that we can bring his kingdom here on earth. We are not a people who are like, please, God, hurry and come now. I just want to get to heaven. No, we are a people who are saying, let his kingdom come now on earth as it is in heaven. It's who we are. It's who we have been designed to be that like this should not be hell. That we need escaping from. But this should be us pulling down heaven here on earth and expanding his kingdom every day. Amen. Amen. So if you believe that you can or you believe that you can't, you are right. If I believe that I can or if I believe that I can't, I am right. Our belief system is so powerful. We were designed to change the world. What I believe changes the world. The kids speak it. I'm so thankful that we're training them from a young age that what I believe changes the world. May we need to declare that what I believe changes the world. Because if we believe we can or we believe that we can't, we're right. I ran into an old boss this week, a couple of days ago, hadn't seen him in probably 18 years, and ran into him, and he was telling me the story of his ex-wife. And at the time, he, she had Lyme's disease and MS. All she can move is her left hand and her eyes. And at the end of her life, she was still doing counseling through Skype, and she wrote a book at the end of her life. Because if you believe that you can, or you believe that you can't, you're right. Our belief system is so absolutely powerful. And in that belief system comes our authority. When we believe what he says about us, it becomes our authority. He said that I was designed to raise the dead. He said that I was designed to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He's designed me to cast out demons. It's who he designed me to be. And when I believe it, I have full authority to walk in that. So if we can go to um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is this incredible truth that I found, and it says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifices and to live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. 
just to believe in him, we get saved, you see? But then we go on to the next verse, chapter, I mean, chapter 12, verse 2, and it says, by imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a, what kind of life? Beautiful life, satisfying life, perfect in his eyes. Because you see, at first we believe in God to get saved, but in order to have total reformation of our minds or be transformed by the renewing of our minds, we have to think like Jesus. We get saved when we believe in Jesus. We get transformed when we think like Jesus. Does it say that we're transformed by working harder? <laughs> no. We're transformed by how we think and what we believe. Amen. So there's a battle for your mind. There's always a battle for our minds and our thoughts. The enemy uses thoughts, and we can either come into agreement with those thoughts, or we can cast out those thoughts with truth. So we have the choice. Are we going to believe what he says, who I am, or are we going to believe what thoughts are coming our way that don't line up with his word? Just a little side note, sometimes when we're hungry, when we're, we haven't had much sunlight, when we have a lack of sleep, a lot of times those are the times that the enemy likes to come in and give us thoughts that we probably shouldn't entertain. Those are the times when the enemy likes to come in and make us feel defeated when we're already victorious, but we might just need to sleep on it. Sometimes a nap cures a lot of things. Have you ever noticed that? You might feel one way and then you go down to rest and you, and you take a nap or you have a good meal. Like, forgive me for what I said when I was hungry. <laughs> right? I have to repent often. Forgive me for what I said when I was hungry. Forgive me, God, for what I thought when I haven't had enough sleep or enough sunshine. That's just a side note. So 2 Corinthians verse 10, I mean chapter 10 verse 5. So it's interesting though because in the scripture of 2 Corinthians, it is all talking about how much it's a battle of the mind in a battle of our thoughts, and there's a battle for our belief system. And if there wasn't a battle, it wouldn't be valuable. But because your belief system is so valuable to who we are and to God and to furthering his kingdom, there's a war for it. So we see in 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 10, verse 5, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that oppresses God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. He gives us power so that we can do this. 
Do you see that he gives us power so that we can do this? We capture like prisoners of war because it's a war. Every thought and, and insist that it bow to the obedience of the anointed one. We're going to insist that these thoughts bow to the anointed one. Because there is a war for your beliefs and there is a war for your thoughts. Amen? Your personality can't change or your past can't cha- or cannot hold you back. But the only thing that can hold you back is what you believe. Your personality can't hold you back. Your past has been washed away. But your beliefs can change. Your beliefs can hold you back. So what are some ways that we can renew our minds? And I love these. I got these from Steve Backlund. He is... um, a pastor at Bethel Church, he has Igniting Hope Ministries, and he just brings something really unique to the body of Christ. But I love just a methodical thought, a thought pattern. I love organized patterns like that. And so I'm like, I couldn't have done this better myself, so I'm going to bring it to you this morning. So the first step in radical mind renewal, identify areas where we need to renew our mind. So how do we identify areas that we need to renew our mind? If it doesn't have hope attached to it, because God is the God of hope, and if it doesn't have hope attached to it, you are thinking a wrong thought. You are believing a lie. And I love it. Somebody had said God God had told her, that she could be, she had the permission to be hopeless about any situation that he was hopeless about. Does God have any hopeless situation? No. God has no hopeless situation. So he gave her permission to, to, to believe anything that he did not have hope about. But God has hope on every situation. There's nothing that can face him that he doesn't have hope for. It says Romans 15, verse, chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God, oh, no, we don't have it. Okay, I'll read it to you. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, in believing, so that you will, you will have hope by the power of the Holy Spirit in believing. Our lack of hope is our check engine light. When we, don't, when, we, when we come up against a hopeless situation, our lack of hope should be our check engine light that I'm believing a lie. And I'm not believing that I am who he says that I am. Another way is, is when we ask ourselves, what am I fearing? He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. His perfect love casts out all fear. So where is the place that I need to let love come in so that I'm not fearing? It's a check engine light. What am I believing? That's a lie. So I can bring the lie 
to the light. See, the second part of this, this second step is that, well, the first one is identify. The second is put language to the lie. And the reason why we put language to the lie is because when we actually speak that thing, we can see it for the ridiculousness that it is. How often have you been driving, you've been driving by someone and they didn't wave to you and you thought they saw you and you're like, they must be mad at me. They must hate me. I mean, the, the narratives in our head, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculousness. It's probably I didn't wave to you because I was having robust dialogue with my kids. <laughs> Probably. Or I was changing the radio, right? Or I was like envisioning people coming out of wheelchairs, you know? But when we bring that thing to the light, that lie to the light, and expose that thing for what it is, we realize that it is silly to think what we're thinking very often. I love my husband because it, I, if there's anything, like he has this major gift, if there's this scenario, and those of you who know him know this, and there's this scenario and you're like, man, I'm feeling this, and he's like, oh no, you got that all wrong. Let me show you a different perspective. And it's like, oh, that was kind of ridiculous that I even thought that, that I even had a belief system about that because that's not truth. So once we identify the lie, and then we expose the lie to the light by putting language to it, and we speak it out, then the third step of which I absolutely love and it's, and it's a core value that we have among our staff and that's um, when something comes our way that's a lie or we're kind of sideswiped by something, we say, well, can you laugh about that? And he uses this method. I love Steve Backlin because he uses this method so good because when we can actually laugh about something, it then has no power over us. And we are, we're laughing at the ridiculousness of the enemy trying to wage war on our minds. It's a weapon. Our laughter is a weapon. The Bible says in Psalm 2 verse 4, he who sits in the heavens laughs. If God sits in the heavens and laughs at the enemy's schemes then shouldn't we laugh at his schemes and say, when we laugh, like you have no power over our thoughts. You have no power over this situation because we're gonna laugh about it. Do you know that kids laugh 400 times a day? 400. How many times a day do adults laugh about? 12, zero. How many times do you think? Throw a number out at me. Six. Fifteen is the average amount. I'm just saying, when he says that we should be childlike, 
Do you think part of that childlikeness should be that we should laugh a whole lot more often at the ridiculousness of the enemy? It's interesting because I looked up in, um, in psychology today and they had this article on laughter and laughter being the cure and this is no joke. And, um, and it says that this guy suffered from infl inflammatory arthritis, claimed that 10 minutes of hearty golfing while watching Marx Brother movies brought him two hours of pain-free sleep. And that both inflammation and pain were significantly reduced. Research since then has shown that laughter reduces stress hormones such as cortisol, epinephrine, dopamine, increases health-enhancing hormones such as endorphins, neurotransmitters, and infection-fighting um, antibodies. Maybe our flu shot should be laughing. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it improves blood flow to the heart resulting in greater relaxation and resistance to disease, as well as improved mood and positive outlook. Wow, your laughter is a weapon. And that's no joke. So let's just look at some lies that we can laugh about. These are some good lies right here. If something feels true, it must be true. Now that's funny. That's a lie. That's hilarious, right? Okay, here's a good one. God is stumped by my situation. <laughs> that's hilarious too. Can we laugh about that? You are insignificant in the body of Christ. That's funny. God is not going to meet your needs in the future. Come on. What's the narrative we're talking about? What's the narrative in our minds that we keep rehearsing over and over? And guys, that's ridiculousness. And we have to laugh at the enemy and his schemes. And your laughter is a weapon. So the next step, after we've laughed about it, now we're going to get the truth. So Father God, what do you say about this? Once we've exposed the lie, and I told this story before, some of you have heard it, and um, I've used it numerous times counseling people, and um, I had anxiety attacks back in 1999, and I... It was interesting because the only thing that I knew was, God, you've not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And I would just rehearse this scripture over and over again in 99 till I finally believed it and the anxiety attacks went away. And so I was like, well, that demon is gone, never to return again. Amen. I know the solution to this problem if it ever comes up again. So have not had anxiety attacks since then until February of this year. And I had this incredible, beautiful, 
big prophetic word. And um, when they spoke it, I immediately, I was like, I even said it out of my mouth. I said, that it gives me anxiety. <laughs> and um, because it was so big, there was no way that I could do that in my own power. There was no way. It was impossible. And so immediately I, I would drive down the road. And because at the time I didn't realize where the route was, you have to see. Like, so I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden, like, I'm, just heart palpitations, and I know some of you, there's enough people in here, you've had anxiety attacks too, you know, and you feel powerless against them at the time that they're happening, and um, driving down the road, and start, my heart starts racing, and I'm like, where is this coming from? This is not me, and, um, and so I start declaring the word over it, like I know to do, you know, like I know to do this, and um, and so finally, I, I go to Sozo, and I uncover some layers of lies that I had been believing, but still the anxiety attacks were, remained there. And about a couple weeks later, I get in my bathtub, and I'm, my heart's racing, and I'm like, okay, God. And I just ask this simple question, what lie am I believing? And he said, you're believing the lie that you're not enough. Okay. I said, okay, God, now what do you say about this? And if there's anything that I can leave you with, like what, if, you, if you say, God, what's the lie I'm believing? And now tell me, what do you say about this? And he said, you were never created to be enough. You're only enough with me. It immediately brought freedom. It immediately, the bricks fell off. The anxiety immediately stopped as soon as the truth was exposed. Because I had believe, been believing, even if it's subconsciously, I had been believing that this is something that I had to do in my own power. But I knew good and well there was no way possible I could do this in my own power. That if I am disconnected from the vine, I could never do this. But if I'm connected to him, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There are no limits if I'm connected to him. You see, because repentance, when we repent, say, this fear thing is in front of me, and I'm turning my back on fear. So if I'm turning my back on something, it's not enough that I know what I'm turning from, but I have to know what I'm turning to. Because if I have to, when I, when I repent, I have to turn my back on that thing and attach myself to the truth. So now, fear you have no hold of me because I've exposed you for your ridiculousness. And now I'm turning to God and saying, but the truth is, when I have you, I have everything. More than enough. So we expose that thing, we laugh at that thing, and then we get the truth. And after we get the truth... We declare the truth. So if the truth sets us free and makes us free, what do lies do? They captivate us. They, they disempower us. 
So now we're going to declare that thing out of our mouths. We're going to declare because life and death is in the power of the tongue, the Bible says. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And some of you, if you follow the Jewish New Year, it says this is the new year. We just, we just walked into it. And this is the year of the mouth. Because he wants us to start declaring the things that we want to see in the spirit realm. He wants us to start declaring the goodness of God over our city. He wants us to speak to that infirmity and tell it to go. Because it's out of our mouth. You see, whenever the worlds were framed, what had to be done first? The spoken word. He had to speak it first. And it says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters, hovered over the deep. And the Holy Spirit was just waiting for that word to be spoken so that Holy Spirit could do something about it and create it. He's just waiting for you to speak that thing out of your mouth so he has something to work with. Holy Spirit is waiting on you. Like, I literally want to keep my angels so busy having assignments from God that they're like, I'm worn out. Come on. Come on. Our nation is going up. It's not going down. God, you're bringing freedom to criminals right now, God. You are bringing freedom to, our, to people in jail right now, God. And you are exposing them for truth, God. You are bringing just unbelievable science breakthroughs right now for diseases, God. You are doing things that we could have never done without the Spirit. Like you look at John Carver, Washington, and I mean, the peanut guys, the peanut, he would lay down for a nap and get formulas on the peanut. And he can do that for us. He can do that to have solutions for problems that it seems like there is no way out. Faith comes by hearing. You have to de declare that thing. Declare the truth out of your mouth. If you don't like the way something looks, declare the opposite. If you don't like the way our government looks, declare that there are people surrounding our government officials that contain truth and are speaking truth in their ear. We were meant, I know we do it every Sunday and we declare over our finances, but finances are our worship to God. And we declare that thing because we want to finance the kingdom of God. So we're going to keep declaring that we're going to find money, that we're going to have our debts paid off, that, that checks are coming in the mail. We're going to keep declaring so we can finance the kingdom of God. And we can send missionaries to every part of the earth so they can hear this hope that we have. This is not an American hope. This is a worldwide hope. Transformation happens when we renew our minds with truth higher than what we're feeling, 
or experiencing. We're gonna feel that thing and we're gonna prophesy to it the opposite. We're gonna declare the opposite of what we're feeling or sometimes even what we're seeing. We just, we just sang about it. Even though I don't feel it, I believe it. I know you're working. There's no way that I can pray and something not happen because I'm a child of God. And I sit with him in heavenly places. So if I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, there's no way that I can say, Jesus, we have an issue. We're going to declare this thing and him not be working on that. I would add two more to his list. And the next one is number six would be visualize the truth. Sometimes we need to visualize, not just speak the truth, but visualize in our heads the truth of God. And just for fun, so many times I like visualize in my head somebody being raised from the dead when I go to the morgue. Just for fun. Because he said it's truth. He said it's truth, so I'm going to see it. And then... I'll visualize somebody getting out of a wheelchair or somebody walking that couldn't walk before. And I'll visualize these things in my head because you know that the narratives that we have in our heads are often, our, our brain thinks them as truth. So say, for example, something happened to you and you continue to replay that thing over and over in our heads, and we do it often. We replay and replay a conversation that we had with someone over and over. Well, then it's like our brain, our brain reacts as if that story and that narrative happened however many times you replayed it in your head. So what if we replay the good stuff? What if we, we replay the people getting out of the morgue and walking out? What if we replay the, the person when I laid hands on them, they were healed? What if we replay those things in our mind over and over and over again, where then our brain believes that this is truth? And it's a higher truth. Number seven, surround yourself with people who believe that they are who God says they are. We surround ourselves with too many toxic people. Have you ever noticed that pessimism takes no faith whatsoever? Have you ever noticed that? It's so easy to believe that God's not going to come through for me more than it is that God is going to come through for me. It takes a, an intentionality to say God is going to come through for me. Stop hanging out with the people who are toxic negative, don't, are telling you you don't have a future, and start hanging out with some world changers who believe what God says they, what he says about them, and your mind will be re radically renewed. Hang out with people who say, but have you ever thought about this pathway? Have you ever thought about this direction have you ever thought about going back to school for this 
Hang out with those people. So just a couple truths um, that I want to speak over us today. One, maybe two. We'll see how it goes. Okay, so the first one is, and I may do this later on. First one is, this is a major truth. There is always a solution. There is always a solution. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, in the Passion Translation. You got that, Ryan? Yes, here we go. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being, but God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you what? A way of escape that will bring you out. Yeah, come on. There is always a solution. Say that to yourself. There's always a solution. While studying this, it's interesting how the brain works because if you tell the brain that there's a solution, it will actually look for one. But if it does not think that there is a solution to a problem, it will not think. It'll just stop at the dead end. But if you tell it there is always a solution, it will start driving pathways to try and find one. And it was interesting because I watched this YouTube video of a woman who had a stroke. She's a PhD. She studied the brain. And so she knew she was having a stroke. So it was interesting to hear her perspective of the stroke. And the stroke was in the left hemisphere of the brain, which is our logic. And, um, and so she, she could not even like put a puzzle together. And so the doctor said, give her a toddler puzzle to start putting together. And it was interesting because as soon as she puts the puzzle out, she doesn't know up from down, like of the puzzle. And so once they taught her that there's a right side and a wrong side, the brain automatically started to drive a pathway to find that solution. And then they said, well, she didn't understand color. Like she wasn't seeing in color after her stroke. But as soon as the brain was introduced that there is color available for you to find, she immediately started seeing in color. Because when we tell the brain that there is a solution, what haven't we told our brain? I just sat there in awe of like, what haven't we told our brain? And so now there's no solution. There's no there's no answer to this problem because I haven't even introduced that to my brain yet. And I haven't spoken that and declared that over myself. Isn't that profound? Profound. So the second truth is my past is always turned to good. Say that. My past is always turned to good. I think the enemy hates Romans, um, what is 8, 28, 
And we know all things work together for what? For good. All things. Not the good stuff. All things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. I think the enemy hates that. Do you realize that if the enemy would have known that Jesus was going to descend into hell and take the keys back from him, he would have never let Jesus die. <laughs> I mean, can we just laugh at that? Like, that is so ridiculous that you ever let him die, because if since you let him die, now he's taking the keys back. Come on. Come on, he is working all things together for good. And it's one of our core values that if it's not good, it's not over. He, whatever situation, like, I don't care if you're a million dollars in debt, he's going to work it for good. Health scares, work it for good. Like, he's so good at working it for good. Have you ever noticed he's so good that we start to say ridiculousness stuff like, Jesus gave me cancer so that I would have, yeah, like makeup. But he is so good at turning it to good, we put the bad on him. When it's like, no, the enemy did that to you. We live in a fallen world, right? And so the enemy did that to you, but I am so good at turning for good that you're going to place blame wrongly. The enemy is the only one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God never comes. He, gives, he comes to give life and life more abundantly. Amen. So let's do this. Won't we stand? And let's just declare a few truths over ourselves today with your mouth as a declaration. First one, God will meet all of my, new, uh, my needs according to his riches and glory. Yes. Let's say it together. God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. God promises to turn my past into good. He will complete what he started in me. Things are getting better. Come on. I'm significant. You are significant. You are significant. And there wouldn't be such a battle for your thoughts and your beliefs if you weren't significant. You were created to be a world changer. You were created to change your city. You were created to change your environment. You were created to speak to things as if they were. It's who you are. It's in your DNA. I have the DNA of my father. Huh. And my father's always good. Come on. Come on. He's so good. He's so good. If you believe it this morning, I want you to just clap your hands. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. We love you this morning, God. 
So Father God, right now we pray, God, that as we renew our minds, God, you aren't scared of the lie to bring about the lies, God, to bring the lies to the forefront so that we can live in complete freedom, God, of who you created us to be, Lord. So right now, God, we just ask, God, if there be any place in us that we are believing a lie, God, we just want to take a second, God, and ask you, is there any place that's holding me back, God, because I'm believing a lie? We wait for your voice. Yeah, we don't want to be held back by any false beliefs, God. We don't want to be held back by any lies, God. But we want to live, God, completely in freedom, God, that you paid for, God. Such a huge price that you paid, God. Now, Father God, what is the truth? What do you say? You have the last say. What do you say, God? 